Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ubi Est Mia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with writer Nathan Rabin. I ran into Nathan at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, Ohio. Nathan is a former Chicagoan, current Marionetta Georgian, Georgian person that lives in Georgia. Nathan Rabin. This is a good episode. I really like Nathan, and I really like that he was willing to open up about his time in Chicago and how it didn't end so well. But that's okay. He's in Georgia, and he's happy, and he's currently at the Republican National Convention and is on his way to the Gathering of the Juggalos, also in the great state of Ohio. Without further ado, here's Nathan Rabin. Do you feel like you should be doing more at the 2016 Republican National Convention? Like, your dad had a job. He he was driving people around. You're a journalist. You're a writer. Well, I I don't know how to drive. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I've actually, I've actually, uh, well, that's semi No, 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 no. please stop, please stop. Before we continue, you moved from Chicago, a city with great public transportation. Exactly. To? Uh, Marietta, Georgia. (laughs) That does not have good public transportation. It does not have good public transportation, and in a uh, related development... I went to Taggart's Driving School uh, in a strip mall. You can totally read my piece about it in Atlanta Magazine. Good plug. I'm not at all kind of uh, embarrassed by it because it's not very good. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so I spent, uh, God, a surreal week at uh, the Taggart Driving School where, (laughs) yeah, the uh, teacher was about 65 years old. She's like this very sassy black woman. There's nothing wrong with any of those and things. No, not at all. Well, um, maybe exactly all of, where we're all at. Of my fellow, uh, all of my fellow students were 15 years old. And they were just napping for a lot of it. They, li- and they were, yeah, they were napping for a lot of it. Um, the teacher would always address me like, Man, you know we partied back in the 80s. We got our groove on. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right, Nathan? Do you want to reveal uh, your age or is that? A- I'm 40 years old. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, yes, we're both way, way older than these people. But I'm not sure we're of the same generation. You, are like, you remember what it's like hanging out in the discos, right, Nathan? You know Studio 64. So I spent a week learning. R- really quick, I want to point yeah. out that Nathan just said Studio 64. Yeah. I will make at, l- at least a dozen factual errors. Perfect, perfect. The idea is that they're intentional. Okay, that was it. And that if you tweet me with all of them, I will give you a prize. Are you neurotic about your Twitter? Like, will you respond to every single tweet? Will you interact with every single person that talks to you? Not really. Okay. Um. And actually, like, yeah, Twitter is weird in the uh, in the year of Trump because uh, I find myself getting into arguments and I guess <laughs> dogfights uh, with with Trump supporters. But, so you will occasionally engage. I will, and I feel like an idiot. Yeah. Because in the history of Western civilization, nobody has ever convinced a Trump supporter that Donald Trump is the Antichrist. And that nobody should uh, again. He's 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 bulletproof. He's logic proof. It's so he's fun. Sanity proof. It's so fun. He it's like so exists fun. beyond reality. It's so fun. It's he so might as well be like a hologram. Like uh, will I am. Speaking and, of uh, a hologram, yeah. uh, George Washington is speaking at the Republican National Convention. <laughs> I'm, did you not know this? I did not know. Like this. In how Tupac again, performed at, at, at 2012 at this point, Coachella. Nothing surprises me. Yeah, this is great. This is the best. Well, I, campaign I saw. Of all I saw time. that uh, at one point the program had. Uh, yeah, at one point the program had only one speaker, and that was George Washington. Isn't that great? And I'm like, again, that's literally no more or less crazy than anything else. This is so that's great. Going on here. But that's not what this show is. This show is about you no longer being in Chicago, Illinois, a place where you don't need a car. Now you're in Marietta, Georgia. I am indeed, and I actually uh, learned how to drive. How uh, long did that take? It, honestly, it, it took about it took about uh, two weeks, maybe. Okay, really? But again, I don't have my driver's license. 
So I'm kind of bragging. But something about being a 40 year old who knows how to drive. But something that you Without do the have documentation is a child. I do. I do have a child. And children, specifically two year olds, yes, tend to need to go to the doctor and other places. That's true. Thankfully, I have these wonderful things. I have a wife okay. who is amazing. More importantly, I have in-laws uh, who I live with. I live inside of their basement. Uh, it's actually a pretty cushy situation. It's been going on for a little under a year. Did you want this to happen? Did I want this to happen? I did not want to get fired from my job at the Dissolve. Uh, that was, you know, an unintended thing. For the listener yes. at home, we should make it clear. The Dissolve was an offshoot of Pitchfork. Pitchfork being uh, two things. It's a music festival, which is fantastic, and it's also a website. And the website focuses on music. That is their bread and butter. Uh, a few years ago, they decided to start The Dissolve, which was going to be their film website. Now, before The Dissolve, Nathan, who I am talking to right now, uh, was one of the editors at the AV Club. Is that actually correct? was the head writer? You were the head writer for the there's, AV Club. There's actually a really good reason that I've never been an editor. Oh, I'm semi-literate. All right, I so, don't know how to read. I don't know how to write. I don't think I you... rely upon editors to make me look, uh, you know, coherent. As, as someone that actually edits for a living, I want you to know that it's mostly just about delegating tasks. That's you true. could totally do this. It's yeah. less about, I'm serious. It's less about copy editing and less about uh, sentence structure. It's more about uh, how, like, what type of content do we want Although today. The weird thing for me is I don't – one of the things that uh, I find unappealing about being an editor, I don't ever want to have any power. Oh, so if, I don't if something goes wrong – I don't want to be anybody's boss. I don't want to you know, tell people what to do. I just love writing. Uh, Are and, you sure you're not yeah. at the correct convention? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't want to be a boss. I just want to be a follower. I don't. I don't. I just, I'm not really a follower necessarily. I okay. just kind of want to be my own man. All right. And then as a freelance writer, it's pretty terrifying some of the time, but I, I get to be my own man. And sometimes you do things like, uh, you know, I started a, cr- a crowd, uh, a GoFundMe campaign for okay. this, and I raised $4,000 in two days. Now, for this being what? Uh, what's that? This being the Republican National Convention. Uh, Republican National Convention, and I will be attending the Gathering of the Juggalos. Now, if anybody knows the name Nathan Rabin, they know you for one of two things. Film criticism slash Manic Pixie Dream Girl creator. Not the man that made the films, but the man that coined the term. No, that's Cameron Crowe. Uh, we'll get to him later. blocked me on Twitter. That sounds right. He should. We're, and, we're beefing. And number two. Hard uh, terms were not cool. Me and, uh, me and Cameron Crowe. Those gates are still unlocked. They well, need to be locked. I tell you, it's uh, I say aloha to uh, to Cameron Crowe as a uh, as a relevant and important filmmaker. Listen, we all we all love racially diverse films. Yeah, that's true. I think I think here at the Republican Convention, they would be very impressed with their finally our first Hawaiian uh, half Japanese speaker, Emma Stone. Oh, and also there are no uh, there are no minorities who act. So, therefore, they all need to be played by white people. All right. Same page. You are a film critic. And well, at least be a film critic. And the other thing people I know you I honestly have – I've reviewed three movies in the last year or so, one of which was Aloha. <laughs> the thing people might I'm know – I'm not kidding. I, I know you're not. Yeah. Is the important band – and I'm not using that word in the pejorative sense – Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. I am a, a juggalo. Uh, and it's funny, a lot of people, they're like, you're, you're interested in Juggalos, you find them fascinating. Like, no, I enjoy the music of Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. I like going to their yearly festival. Yeah. I've spoken with Violent J a number of times, and he seems like a really good dude. Not to be a dick to the ICP, but yes. is Shaggy too dope? Like, an idiot. 
Uh, you know, I've interacted with Shaggy Doodope a lot less. Uh, you know, I think definitely Violent J is kind of the voice. Violent kind J of the is the Jack White of this band. Yeah. There's no Insane Clown Posse without him. There's no White Stripes without him. Yeah, I mean, and they've, they've collaborated. I know. I've played yeah, it on the I, show. I have their, uh, I have their, uh, I, have their uh, I have their single. Actually, yeah. in, my, in the basement of uh, Supreme Honor, uh, I have my wall of uh, incredible achievement. And one of the things I have on there is a, uh, it's like a framed thing, and it's uh, a copy of my book, You Don't Know Me But You Don't Like Me, signed by Shaggy Tudop and Violent J. Uh, an autographed copy of their uh, single that Jack uh, White produced, and then the Rolling Stone four-star uh, review of my book. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty pleased about that. I want to point out that... And uh, also, I'm also pleased that uh, when I was reading Rolling Stone, uh, they gave my uh, book twice as many stars as they did uh, Jared Leto's uh, latest album. Great. So they said, screw you, 30 Seconds to Mars, two stars. I wrote about that book before Rolling Stone. It is not on your wall, and I take offense to that. I am more important than Rolling Stone, and I know that because they stole my uh, Trump as a wrestler piece, uh, graph for graph, and I learned a valuable lesson in the fall of 2015. Yeah, well, they're one of the many people that I'm not covering this for. Not of my own volition. Uh, yep. They were kind of like, yeah, no. But we're not here to talk about vitriol and, and hatred and, and, and anger. We're here to talk about positive things. Yes. And Insane Clown Posse, for better or worse, is a positive band. They're very positive. And the weird thing about this is I look forward <laughs> to driving to uh, Thornville, Ohio. My my long-lost uh, half-brother will be accompanying me. You've seen him a total of how many times in your I've life? I've seen him twice. Uh, so this will life. be magic number three. This will be number three, yeah. But we'll be spending four days together. Now, it, I know in the gathering in, in Illinois, a lot of people just would go for a day. Now, you're going for the duration in Ohio. You're going all oh, yeah. four days. Yeah, I think so. I mean, part of it is if something crazy happens here in uh, here being Cleveland, Cleveland. Cleveland. Or at the RNC. Or if, like, my mission changes, then I might stay here uh, maybe for another day, maybe another day. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, the plan right now. Is to leave Wednesday afternoon and uh, be there for all four days. We're going to pack up on Sunday and then drive back home. And we're, we've got a hotel, though, so we're not camping. Have you we're ever camped? Totally camp- roughing it. Yeah, in your book, I have, I you write never, about. I have never camped. You write about you staying in the motels and the hotels. Yeah. Well, that's a way to make it, uh, I think, uh, palatable. Okay. You know, because it's, you know, you get sweaty, you get exhausted, you get worn out. It's nice to have a clean bed to uh, get into. Understood. But doesn't a lot of the interesting stuff happen at like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning? Yes. That's why there's this wonderful thing called drugs. <laughs> uh, that allow you to be awake and alert and interested in everything uh, at 2 in the morning. Fair enough. And then you can, you know, drive home uh, to your Cherry Lodge uh, Inn, uh, which may or may not be where I'm staying. Um, you know, and you get your three and a half hours of sleep. And then you head back out uh, to do it again. You have... Oh, when you started writing about the ICP, you did not have a wife, to my knowledge. I... No, I... Girlfriend. I mean, I was with my... Uh, I was with the woman who is now my wife. Well, there's a difference the mother between, of my child. There's a difference between a wife and a partner, and there's... Or a wife and a girlfriend. There's a big difference between a dad and not being a dad. And you That's are true. a dad now. I am a dad now. Which and now also, you're going to your other family. Well, that also helps kind of explain why my wife is not coming with me. Yes. She came for the first three years. Because um, she loves you or because she now um, enjoys ICP? It's, it's a combination. Well, it's not because she loves ICP. She does not care for the music of ICP. She is not alone in that respect. She also sure. doesn't like rap music. Sure. Um, we started dating. At that point, it was more of my identity. ICP? And I'm, like, I'm going to. No, rap music. Got it. 
And I'm like, I'm going to be an, uh, an evangelist. I'm going to turn around and tell this cool stuff. She's going to, you know, find the Far Side and Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul. Because when I think of Far Side and Tribe Called Quest, I think of ICP. I mean, there's a direct well, line between the actually, two. Actually, Far Side performed at the gathering. Because uh, Far Side needs ago. money. Yes. Uh, that's true. But they, they did a good show. And the thing about the gathering is you literally only have to perform for about 15 minutes what? to get your pay. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing where you just have to show up. You have to do a, a minimum amount of time. Which is why I think Tila Tequila, she was trying to stretch out her performance uh, to payable lengths. Now, when yeah. so well, you, you saw the Tila Tequila incident, the battery throwing, the shit throwing. I did the first, the first night that I was at the gathering. And I returned four more times. Oh, my gosh. Weird to think. Uh, and the weird thing, like, it didn't seem that crazy. Yeah. I think just because I expected things to be just bizarre. Yeah. You know? And it's almost like, you know, the... Uh, the convention in that respect, where you expect it to be like this insane, you know, raging tire fire, and there would be like mutants running around and riots everywhere, and you know, black helicopters, and it's kind of kooky, mm-hmm. but it's still a political conve- uh, convention. And convention is an important you know? word in this entire yeah. thing. Okay, we got to get back to Chicago so we can leave Chicago. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I met you in Chicago. You did. I was a fan of your writing because I was a doorman at the Hungry Brain. And if you're a doorman at uh, a bar in Chicago, it means you read the reader and you read the, the then in print onion. I don't know oh if it is God, anymore. That like a million years ago. But man. that's how long I've read your stuff. And I, wow. uh, before I met you, I had read your memoir. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then you came on to You, Me, Them, Everybody to promote your uh, first book of film essays. Yes. And that was how long ago? Also probably my last book of film essays. I really enjoyed that book, but I understand right, yeah. why film essays aren't being published as much because of the Internet. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I tried to make that as appealing as possible to the book buying public. Yeah. There's a lot of new stuff in there. I spent a lot of money on the cover illustration. Um, you know, but it, it's weird because uh, I, I, mean, I don't know. I'm very proud to have written four books. Yeah. Um, and I think probably the more personal the book is, kind of the more that I uh, value it. Oh, I would say your yeah. most recent book, You Don't Know Me But You Hate Me, is your best book. Thank you. Thank and you. I don't think that's a stretch. I mean, you're also older, and I think the older you get, the better a writer you become. You kind of have yeah. to, right? I'd like to think so. I mean, and that's the thing, uh, too, is it's kind of like, um, I don't know, other fields where the older you get, the better you are. And the less likely the world is to pay attention to you. Because sure. they worship. I don't know. So I have, like, I have a track record now. And I'm proud of it. Uh, But, you know, to a lot of people, I've written four books that have not made anybody money. But you also... not a legacy uh, that they want to embrace. Do you think of legacy? Um, I'm narcissistic enough. Uh, I'm narcissistic enough to, you know... uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Do I think about legacy? I mean, I kind of just want to keep it going. You know, I kind of just feel profoundly blessed to be able to make a living as a writer. Does the it mean the creative process? Like, you want to be able to be a writer and pay bills? Is that what you mean by it? Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, I think the goal in life is to do work that is meaningful and creatively satisfying to me. And be able to provide for my family. And maybe even have some sort of, I don't know, comfort. (laughs) I would nice to be able to do things like go on a vacation at some point. Sure, sure. Or, you know, uh, send my son to, you know, a fancy school. Now, if you didn't have that son, would you still be in Chicago? Uh, That's a good question. Um, I mean, I I got pretty burned out uh, by Chicago by the very end. Because you grew up there. I did, I did. I mean, I was a third generation Chicagoan, which was something that I was extraordinarily proud about. Do you have a Chicago tattoo? No. Did you ever have a Chicago flag in any part of any my, of your uh, apartments? My friend Paul DeGrasse has a uh, Chicago tattoo. Um, I mean, he has a bunch of tattoos. Um, yeah. But uh, for me, it would be a hatchet man. 
the way I figure it is like if this uh, if this gathering adventure goes really well, me and my brother will get uh, you know, amazing Jekyll brother tattoos. Where would you put your and tattoos? Then if uh, you know if it uh, doesn't go well, we might end up with matching uh, amazing Jekyll brothers tattoos. So. Where are you going to put these tattoos? That's a good question. <laughs> I got. It. I have a some, feeling I some, know where. Some place where my wife wouldn't ever be able to see it. I disagree. I bet you guys do it on your back calf, and each of you have that's, like. That's a good idea. And like you, and you wear shorts so often. Everyone will always see it. I think that's a good idea. And you'll probably be too high to be like, this is a bad I, I idea. Don't, I don't seem enough like a, you know, the, the village eccentric in Marietta, Georgia. People yeah. like see me walking down the street. They're like, what is that? Yeah. He's moving on his Are there uh, sidewalks his, where you live? His feet wheels. That don't make no sense. I don't know why. It's like an incredibly wealthy suburb. I don't know why they all talk like Jethro now. Do you have sidewalks? We do. Okay. My friends live in Atlanta proper, but it's the last stop on, is it the Marta? On the Marta? Yes. That's Atlanta proper, and they don't have sidewalks. That's crazy. Like, their block does not have sidewalks. They do not want you there. This is how weird and kind of uh, Marietta is, is that every once in a while, I'll see somebody else walking down the street, like maybe, you know, with their dog, and I'll be like, "You're, you're pointing out of my territory. I'm the guy in Marietta who walks around. I'm the guy who has a dog that he takes for regular walks. Like... Get your own shit. Yeah. Get like a unicycle. Does your, you know, get like one of those uh, hoverboards. Does your wife like living in Marietta versus Chicago? She does. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think it was it was a tough thing where she lived in, uh, God, when we started dating, she was getting her master's in teaching from Brown. Brown, uh, which so is not in Chicago. It is not in Chicago. Um, and she really liked uh, the East Coast. Okay. Uh, I think she felt very ambivalent about growing up in the South. Okay. You know, um, it's a very conservative district we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, New Gingrich's district, which kind of gives you a sense of the kind of people who live there. I think you painted a great picture. Yes. Um, I be- So how do but you two she, meet? But yeah, but she, uh, it was tough to convince her to move to Chicago. And it was, and it was, so you it had it to convince really, her. Really I did. Well, and, uh, well, here's an example of why Chicago kicked her ass for a long time. So she uh, moved here, and she... Was parking for the first time in uh, guys must have been you know the winter so it's very very cold yes and she saw some cones and uh, she's like screw that I'm I don't know what those cones mean I'm gonna toss those uh, those cones apart and park in this place and <laughs> growing up in Chicago taught me a certain uh, deference to authority yeah it's like you got to learn the rules and then you have to follow the rules yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Those cones are probably there for a very good reason. Let's not upset things. So, of course, the next morning, uh, she went outside to discover that uh, her rear windshield and her front wheel shell had both been smashed uh, to pieces with a baseball bat. Yeah, that's Because very... that's what you do in Chicago if you disobey the non-existent dibs rules uh, Here's involving traffic. Yeah. Here's the thing. I completely relate to both sides in this situation. <laughs> Yeah. And I've been a victim to this. I didn't know the dibs rule as a kid, and I parked somewhere, but we got lucky. It was a white car, so all they did was spray painted around the entire like car a, a white line. So all we had to do was like go to your local home repair store and buy like a despray paint well, that's remover. Good. I mean, that's I mean that's part of it. It was, it was like, a good lesson. Like, a lot of living Never in Chicago again. was uh, figuring out ways to make uh, some of the inherent uh, difficulty sure uh, bearable. You know, what neighborhood like, was this? Oh God, I lived in uh, Albany Park. Okay, and I loved Albany Park. Like it was a really great neighborhood. Yeah. It was very, you know, uh, Mexican, very working class. I think it's got the food. only Iraqi restaurant in the city of Chicago. That's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, like we lived outside of a park, and eh, a couple of times a year, somebody would get killed. Sure. You know, 
uh, every once in a while, you know, there were seem like an unusual number of like terrible car crashes. Yeah, you know, you just see like these burning racks. So you're saying a bunch of horrible things made you want to leave Chicago? Yeah, uh, getting fired from my job, uh, discovering that a lot of people I consider my friends were, uh, you know, uh, I think, yeah, not not my actual friends. Um, That's so sad. You want to talk yeah. about each every one of them oh, by name? Oh, God. <laughs> yes, I do. But no, I mean, it's just, it's tough when you work and live with people for a very long time and, you know, emotions get very intense and... Yeah, it was just a, a lot of pain before I left. Chicago. So was the AV I Club? I wanted a new start. Was the AV Club? Was the Dissolve? These these seem like really tight knit communities, or at least small communities. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Dissolve was really small. I think that's part of what hurt so much about yeah. getting fired. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, I was fired a month before they went out of business. So I think it was kind of a you know I was the last body they uh, they threw overboard before they sank. Um, do you, but it still sucks. Do you feel gratitude or ire that you were one of the last bodies? Because they could have cut you loose a lot sooner, or they could have kept you on at well, the end. If they, if they had fired me when they wanted to, my wife would have been seven months pregnant. Oh, boy. With my first son. Um, so, yeah. So, when they did fire me, I my son was six months old. Which, which, so, that's, that's yeah. 11 months yeah. of employment that they did not owe you in any way. Well, those, were, those months were terrible. Sure, but you collected a check, and you didn't have to go into the coal mine. That's true. It's uh, not fun. It's incredibly painful what happened. Sure. And a lot of people that I worked with forever, and I considered incredibly close friends, who I now don't know in any way. You know, they've been completely blacked off that entire part of my life. Um, it was just brutal and awful, and it's painful to think about it in any sense. Do you think- I think that's one of the reasons why I don't write about uh, new movies anymore, is because I associate it very strongly with a really awful, traumatic, devastating uh, experience that I went through. Do you want to write about movies, or is it... Is um, you know, the thing is, I do write about movies. I've got a bunch of film columns. Sure, uh, sure, sure. But I don't write about new movies, and there's something weirdly nice about that. There's something nice about not having to constantly be present. There's something nice about not having to, uh, you know, have a thought or a take on everything that happens uh, in the film world. I can't speak for you, but I can say uh, going to screenings in Chicago... Um, felt special because of that screening room. Yeah. And in, in and Washington, D.C. terrible because yeah. I'd see a bunch of people that, yeah, well, I, you, I, I mean, in, have no relationship with that. Yeah, you'd have to know. go to Atlanta, and there's probably not a screening room. Well, there is, but okay. no, also nobody's uh, trying to get me to review movies. Sure, sure. It was a combination of me losing uh, a ferocious interest in it. Okay. And also there are not being a bunch of people who are like, and I mean, a lot of people wanted to work with me. Sure. But for some reason, it's kind of a weird, tightly knit, hermetic uh, community. And I've been doing it for 18 years. It's a long time. But it also didn't really matter, you know? Well, now, I mean, I for the Globe and Mail. I uh, did review some stuff for them, but you kind of get tired of just sending pitch after pitch after pitch. And they're like, sorry, nothing this week. So do you want to just be a staff writer for, so let's say, like Atlanta? God, no. no. Okay. No. You said- after the awful experience that I had at the Dissolve. I have absolutely no desire to you, be a staff writer anywhere. But you just said sending pitches is, like, draining. and, and Yeah, but it's fine. Oh, know, okay. Compared to, and it's not draining. It's just, you know, sending, you know, the editor at the Globe and Mail, who's a, a lovely human being, uh, an email like, hey, you got anything this week? Uh, yeah, it's not that bad. But, you know, it can be a little disconcerting. Um, and actually, you know, trying to line up uh, some place that will pay me money to yeah. go to the gathering, sure. to go to the, like, national convention. Like, that was a, uh, that was really, really difficult, and I ended up doing the crowdsourcing route. Exactly. Which worked out spectacularly well. So I'm thinking, you know, there's a third way of doing things. You, between so you did your being a staff writer, being a freelancer. Sure. And, you know, maybe 
my audience, you know, they can be my bosses. It took you, you were 40 years old when you did your first crowdfunding thing. I did, yeah. And, and it, it was, was one of the things, too, where it's like I was, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing. Yeah. And it's, it's tough for your ego, too. Sure. Because there's always a chance that you'll put yourself out there and people be like, no, we're just not interested. Yeah. And I think that would have been really difficult. So I wanted to wait until I had something that I felt really, really solid about. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing this for the right reasons. And like I'm doing this because I feel passionately about it, and yeah. I think it will result in something really interesting and weird. Now, do you, you know, know? Not necessarily for the money or for the publicity or for the. the I don't think you need stakes. to say you're doing this for the money if you're right. a writer. Um, so, you have something in mind? Is this going to be a book? Is this going to yeah, be a long be, form piece? Well, I've got to, you know, I'm still talking with a, another website uh, that's interested, but yeah, we still haven't like finalized things. Uh, primarily, this will be. I'm planning to write about a 15,000-word uh, sort of like nonfiction novella. So it'll be about this and about my relationship with my brother and the gathering of the juggalos and the weird commonalities between both of them. You just, is, um, is it going to be called The Family? Uh, it's going to be called Seven Strange Days in Ohio. That's uh, good. The Trump train, the gathering of the juggalos, and the summer the whole world went insane. Uh, for the people listening at home, I want to document that this is where we just got photographed. Uh, we are currently at the Washington Post space at the RNC. We are. Uh, I am doing this for WGN. You are a guy that used GoFundMe. Every, <laughs> everything is a shell game. Nothing matters, and it really doesn't matter. All that. All I just want to say is we are creating content because it's That's true. 2016 That's true. at the RNC. Well, I'm trying. That's try, the try, law. If I, if I, I wrote about Pokemon Go last week. Yeah. I'm at the RNC this week. I'm checking all the boxes. I hate to, I hate to, I hate to quote uh, one of my favorite Farside songs, but I got to write something that means something. Got to write something that means something. Got to write something that means something. Which is, again, one of the reasons why I'm happy I'm a freelancer is when I was at all I had to write a lot of content for the sake of like meeting a quota every day for yeah. turning out four or five things, and the next day they wouldn't matter. Nope. Because the four or five pieces that you wrote that day would you know, have their 30 minutes of people sort of half paying attention to them. So it's nice to not have to churn out content. And the columns that I do, I feel passionately about. You know, I write about you know movies about movies, which it's wonderful to get paid money to do things that you would do anyway. Uh, yeah, it's fun, to, great to get money to do things that you would actually pay money to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's been really lovely. Uh, and yeah, this was scary, but I discovered that I have a lot of fans who are willing to spend money to support me, which is, it, is amazing. Is it weird to say I have fans? You know, I, I've been doing this for long enough. I mean, I, it's been 19 years since I, you know, started writing for the AV Club. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like, you know, at this point, I was, and that's part of why I felt okay doing a crowdfunding thing, was I felt like, you know, it's a gamble, but it's a gamble where, you know, it's a smart gamble. It's sure. a gamble where I feel like I have a lot to offer. This is good. Yes. Are you worried about your son? Uh, in what respect? Do you want him to follow in your footsteps, or does that ever come up? I mean, your first book is essentially about your relationship with your father. I yeah, I want my son to have a much healthier, uh, much saner, much more functional, uh, and, you know, sort of trouble-free existence. And I'm, he is absolutely amazing. Like, he is the happiest little guy ever. And it's so beautiful, and it makes me so happy. And it's just like, you know, all those corny cliches about how wonderful it is to be a parent and how, you know, it... Filled you with a sense of love you never knew existed before. Like, it's all absolutely true. And the hardest part of this is being away from my son for seven days. Yeah. You know, and apparently... Is this the longest you've been away? Uh, last year's gathering? Did you go to you know, last year's gathering? Very, it's very rare. Yeah, I did. 
But that was only four or five days. Was that the last one in Illinois, or was it the first one in Ohio? No, that was the first one in Ohio. Okay. And that was interesting because it was very different. Uh, <laughs> by gathering uh, standards, it was actually kind of continental. Like, it was in a town that had, like, more than five businesses. Um, you know, it had, like, Wi-Fi. You could, like, get an Uber. It was, like, uh, pretty amazing, you know? Um, Same town this year? Yes. So I'm excited about that. I really hope we you booked Uber. our hotel room. So. You Uber there and back. We well, no, actually, my brother's going to be driving me, or his wife is going to be driving us. So wait, so your wife's not coming, but his wife's coming. Yes. So there's three of you there. There's going to be three of us. Is yeah. she going to be upset if he gets a juggle a hatchet man tattoo? Um, I don't think so. He's you, see, he's a very uh, he's a very strong-willed fellow. He kind of has. <laughs> he's not the sort of person to ask uh, if he could or should do something. He's more the sort of person who announces that it's happening. For example, yesterday I got a message from him saying, uh, where are you in Cleveland? I just drive down here. And I was like, the reason to not do that is because it costs $600 for a hotel room yeah. in Cleveland. The place is swarming with cops. There's absolutely no reason why anybody who doesn't have to be here for uh, media reasons or professional reasons or political reasons has to be here at all. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think we're going to hook up tomorrow and we're going to drive to the gathering. But yeah, it'll be interesting. And I've, one of the ideas that I wanted to pursue was actually the idea that my editor uh, gave me was to uh, try and find juggalos for Trump. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I have been totally unable to do so. It's a Venn diagram. Have you found anyone that's a juggalo for Hillary? Uh, anyone a juggalo who's what? Hillary. Juggalo for Hillary. I would say there are more. Uh, it's funny, actually, the last time that I was at the gathering, I, um, I hung out briefly. With this gentleman named Jensen Karp. Okay. Who you might actually know. He used to write for uh, WWE yeah. uh, in 2005. Uh, he owns a gallery. Uh, I think he might actually still write for... He just wrote uh, John Cena's monologue uh, for the ESPYs. A really fascinating guy. Uh, was a rapper in uh, the, um, God, in the uh, late 90s and the early aughts. Yeah. Um, and He's the author of that new book about Kanye West owes me $300. Yeah, Kanye West yeah. owes me $300. And I completely lost my train of thought. What the hell did I think Juggalos, Hillary, oh, Jensen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, um, so he was there, and he's this really fascinating guy, very ambitious, very smart, very focused. And he was there uh, with his artist, uh, Nova Rockefeller, uh, who he uh, manages. And interesting woman, like very cute and fun and like nice pop music with kind of like a like a vibe to it. Like you might hear at Pitchfork, but not at the gathering. Uh, no, you would not hear it at Pitchfork because okay. it has a sense of humor about itself okay. uh, and does not take itself seriously. So you really don't like the dissolve, is what you're saying? I am not a fan of Pitchfork. Okay, uh, I do not think they are wonderful human beings. I do not have an overly good experience, especially. I, mean, I know, I know. I'm just. Uh, but uh, so the funny thing was, uh, you know, Jensen Carp. Uh, he discovered that you know Violent J was very into Nova Rockefeller, and he really wanted to support her. So there's, so there's this picture of Jensen Karp, Nova Rockefeller, and Violent J that for some reason like became a meme, which was uh, Juggalos for Bernie Sanders. All right. And like if anybody was going to like start the Juggalos for Bernie Sanders, it might be Jensen Karp because he's into a lot of weird, interesting things. Sure. But it was interesting how, again, just a picture can be appropriated and Absolutely. take out, like, a weird life of its own. This is... But there would be more, I think, in terms of... ICP's actual ideology in terms of their actual politics is much more aligned with Bernie Sanders. It's very class-based. It's very anti-rich people. Not going to disagree. Very, yes. I don't think most people would disagree. Yeah. I think you're going to go libertarian or you're going to go Bernie, and that's not nearly as interesting as Trump or Hillary as a juggalo. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it is interesting, um, and you know they're both very populist and they're oh, both yeah. anger based, but the populism and the anger are very different. And oh, absolutely, in different places. Um, I'd say with Trump, it's directed downward; with ICB, it's directed upward. Once again, insane clown posse. Yes, they're an insane clown posse. They're also a Christian band. We didn't talk about that. Well, they're no, not they're, really a Christian. They're band. a Christian band. Dude, I've gone to five gatherings of Juggalos. I've interviewed. I can say with some certainty that they embrace a Judeo, uh, Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Christian uh, worldview. And, and do they rap about that? They. Uh, so what we're in, in, in the wraith, they say uh, the carnival is God, and may all Juggalos find him. They do not say that means your carnival band. is that's, no. That's means you're a Christian well, band. I think I think in order to be a Christian band, you have to explicitly endorse Jesus. No, you don't. You have to be about Jesus. No. Hey, I'm a Jew. I know a lot more about Christianity <laughs> than you do. No. Uh, no, you're wrong. So how are they? How are they Christians if they you do not explicitly said, mention Christ? They just said the ga- the g- God is the gathering. Well, the carnival. Is the carnival. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's the it's the last of the cards, right? The carnival is God. I mean, I'll juggle those. Well, it was <laughs> this is the first, the last uh, card of the first deck. Yes. Okay. You might want to edit that so you don't look like a moron. <laughs> you don't get fired from your job. Um, like, oh, I don't you think can't it's tell a, between decks. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. Yes. I, I just because they're a Christian band does not make them a bad band. Jack White, no, I mean, White Trips are a Christian band because there's a, there's the same belief in a Judeo-Christian God. Well, and they're you know, and they're they're more or less. You they're know? what? They're more or less. Yes, sure. You know, they have a very uh, congr- and that's another kind of interesting commonality between Trump and ICP is they see the world in black and white views. You yeah. know, it's a uh, there are the bad people who need to suffer and be punished. Uh, and then they're the good people, and they go to heaven. And, and it's very easy to delineate between the two. And I listen to a lot of bad religion, and that's why I became a poli-sci major, and everything's the great race. So it's not for me, either of this. Okay, uh, two final things. Number one, we should plug your GoFundMe, because it's still going on. Is that oh, correct? Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's, it's Nathan Raven on GoFundMe. Send Nathan Raven to the uh, gathering and RNC. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's been going really well. And, yeah, I mean, if this continues i mean this could be a whole new avenue uh yeah. for me and i may no longer live in my in-laws basement uh this time like, next year i don't know man i grew up with my dream gran- the dream man i grew up with my grandparents and my mom in the same house and i liked it i liked having them around and that's one of the funny things about like when i get into like dog fights on twitter or social media yeah and people like start insulting me i'm like dude i'm a juggalo who lives in a basement <laughs> you, you should, should come at me much harder and you should <laughs> have much better uh insults you know yeah, it's weird. Nobody ever insults me for being a juggalo. I think it's just because uh, I don't believe it's actually happened. Um, probably. Yeah. That's probably it. A message boards. I make a point of not reading message boards. I don't think I've ever I mean, gone to one I mean, that's the part that I miss about choice. the Dissolve, was the message boards were really great, and the Why? commenters were really great, and the readers were really great. Um, I have not found a... Uh, actually, I started my own Facebook group uh, called the Society of Television and Nathan Raven, because I wanted to be surrounded by people who don't think I'm terrible. Oh, no. I'm very insecure, but so far it's been working out Do pretty well. Do you see a therapist? I do not, actually. You should. I'm doing pretty good. No. All things considered. I think everyone ever should see a therapist. I agree. Then I saw So why don't you? Do you have insurance? I saw. I do not. Okay. I then saw that's... a therapist when I was in Chicago. Yes. And she, well, actually, one of the, like, oh, boy, the city is not great for me. Uh-huh. Uh, I discovered in a two-week period that my uh, psychiatrist and my therapist had both dropped me. Okay. I called up C4 on the north side and said, hey, I'd like to make an appointment for uh, blah, blah, blah. They're like, yeah, you haven't been here long, uh, long enough. Like, you're no longer allowed to make appointments here. And I was like, yeah, on some level, maybe I understand it. But, like, yeah, when you're in a really difficult time, being told that neither your therapist nor your psychiatrist will ever see you again seems pretty brutal. Do you think that's why you're into the family? Um, 
know. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, yeah, there probably is some sort of a horrific psychological hole in my. Uh, no, no, no. Stop, I, stop, I stop, stop. I did not. That might be part of it. Yeah, I did not use those adjectives. Okay. But for someone that says like, "Yeah, I got dropped by my therapist in the same week," <laughs> I got yeah, it was not. It was not good. You know, and I think the fam- that- and ICP. Embrace number one, the one thing everyone chants is family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boop, boop, and that's, it's much less creepy than, you know. Again, I just feel like they're going to start uh, chanting, kill the witch, kill the witch, kill the witch. Uh, at at some the point. RNC? Yeah. Uh, all the ch- they have lots of chanting. They're all really disturbing. Even like their chants of USA, USA is like, yeah, there's like some creepy like nationalism and like hyper patriotism kind of going on here. Yeah, I've never had a chant of USA. Actually, the chant of USA, USA. At the Jerry Springer show, whenever like some stuff would pop off, that was less creepy. Yes. Uh, then, uh, yeah. Because that was for funsies. Because <laughs> that was for theater. Well, the weird thing about it is that it was kind of ironic. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like, this is dumb. This is dumb. But it, everyone, We live in a vulgar republic. That makes no sense. But we were... At, at, at the Jerry Springer show became theater. Yeah. It started as real, but those were all fake stories with actors. Well, like it was fun, lowbrow theater. It's interesting to remember that Jerry Springer was a politician. Yeah. Who became a you know garbage monster tabloid person. And Donald Trump what, you know, is a garbage monster tabloid person who is presenting himself as a politician. It's kind of an interesting inverse there. Inversion, I guess the word would be. <laughs> Listen, I'm bipartisan. I'm covering this. So... Yeah. So Me I too. Very, it's I'm actually I'm Gary Johnson. You know? <laughs> uh, final question that you can't probably answer, but hopefully you could plant a seed. I'm a very big RuPaul's Drag Race fan. Okay. Um, I think it's the most important reality show, and you can trace a, a line to everything that RuPaul's done and everything that's been stolen from her and that show. I, I agree, and I'm very Great. excited that RuPaul is just nominated for a first. Episode. I know that's uh, it's, uh, it's it's wonderful. Crazily, I'm like, how she's did, in her fifties. Uh, how Come did on. the Wahlburgers? Come on. How did how did they uh, get an Emmy nomination before RuPaul did? But I've I've prosed this on Twitter a handful of times, and no one knows. Are there any Juggalo drag queens? Completely sincere I'm question. I'm going to say yes. If you meet any of them at the gathering, send them my way. I want to talk to them. Yeah. I, I I think I'm not joking. I think bringing in the insane clown posse to RuPaul's Drag Race could be a giant step forward in both mainstream acceptance. Not that either are going for that, but a greater understanding of everyone. Because at the end of the day, this is all theater. Fuck you ever you want. Do whatever you want. Family. And I think that would be a good way to bring everyone together. Not at all joking. Yeah, and I mean, the thing about the gathering is it's a lot more diverse than oh, yeah. you would necessarily expect. There is a fair amount of uh, disabled people there, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't necessarily imagine because it's not a very, you know, uh, uh, wheelchair-accessible uh, place to be. But, you know, if you're disabled and you're super into being a juggalo, that's a wonderful place to be. That's like Shangri-La. Um, there are a lot of lesbians uh, there. Like, there's a very strong lesbian contingent. There's actually, yeah, there's Juggalo LBTQ, which is a, a Twitter uh, Twitter handle slash group. See, I went to I that looking. That, uh, I went to that looking for me. some drag queens, and I think it was mostly just a lot of young girls trying to figure out their identity. Yeah. More so than like, oh, I know I'm an adult, and I'm I happen to like this person. That's true. But again, I think this is kind of exploring the spectrum. Of sure, sexuality and exploring is great, and I'm yeah. a fan. And uh, all right, any African Americans too? Any, any last thing? There are more African Americans at the gathering than you would imagine. Listen, I get twisted PR emails twice a week. Uh, I know exactly how many African Americans are at the gathering. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of everyone there. I get it. Um, do you get the twisted emails? I should forward you I do them. Not. I, totally I should forward should. you the PR. That, that is I a really got good one idea. today. Um, anything you want? They're to very add? entertaining. I'm not. I don't really listen to their music. I don't like twisted. But just. 
uh, as human fan. beings, they're kind of funny. Not and a fan. Entertaining. Not a fan. Okay. Their music, not good. It's on the Scream 2 soundtrack. I, uh, I do not have the Scream 2 soundtrack. Uh, anything you want to add? Uh, any any bridges you want to burn in Chicago that you already uh, haven't? You hate Pitchfork. You hate the dissolve. I, I don't. I, I don't hate Pitchfork. I don't hate the dissolve. I had a I had a very difficult experience there that ended very badly, uh, and yeah, I'm still kind of recovering from it. I'd like to you know be able to look at it as something that happened, and I mean I'm proud of a lot of the work that I did there. I felt like the first year there was really pure and really beautiful and really great. And that's part of what hurt so much was when you really believe in something and you're idealistic and you pulling all of your heart and soul and passion into it, and then it goes completely awry. It's really, really tough. But uh, hopefully, you know, in a couple of years, I'll look back at it as something that was largely really good and that I did a lot of work that I'm proud of, and, yeah, I will have moved on uh, from that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, time heals all wounds. I hope uh, you get there, man. I hope so. I think I will. Thanks for doing this. But it probably would not hurt me to start seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah, you should do that if you want. sliding scales. Yeah. I should do that. Yeah, probably. they're great. Awesome. Or maybe got like a Skype psychiatrist who's like super sketchy, but no, it's not sketchy at all. If anything, there's more accountability because there's video proof of every single session. That's true. Yeah, that can be like uh, Lisa Kudrow on web therapy. Yeah, except she was, you know, terrible. Yeah, that's a good reference that no one understood. Definitely. Listen, thank you for doing this. I think we're making America great again. Have fun at the gathering. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been a pleasure. If you would like more information about Nathan Rabin, uh, follow him on Twitter. It's at sign Nathan Rabin. There's a link to it in that bio as well. He's a freelance writer, and you should hire him if you need writing that needs to be freelanced. If you would like more information about me, follow me on Twitter. It's at sign YMTE. I'm also on Instagram. Same thing. Uh, the website is youmethemeverybody.com. If you like this show, thanks for listening. I hope you like this show. Uh, follow us on Twitter. It's Ubi Est Mia Pod. We're also on Facebook at Ubi Est Mia. Our art is by Dmitry Samarov, and our music is by Daniel Knox. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night. I'll hunt the places that...